It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. With the most awkward handshake in F1 history, Logan Sargent has managed to do the kilometers needed to keep his seat for 2024. Despite reportedly not knowing what a kilometre is, here we have for the first time ever a grid which will go into 2024 unchanged from the final race of 2023. Unless, of course, Red Bull pull a vest pocket manoeuvre and over the course of the winter, they change Checo in for Daniel and vice versa. And they technically can do that because all drivers for Red Bull and AlphaTauri or whatever they're going to be called are driving under the Red Bull group. So they can do these. In theory, Max Verstappen could be driving next year for insert your name here, racing bulls, insert your name here. This is a cool spot. But in all seriousness, I am so pleased and relieved that Logan Sargent has been given another season to prove what he can do. But I am not being delusional here before you type it in the comments. 2024, this is it. If he cannot kick on and get closer to Alex and stop making all of those little mistakes which have been dogging him throughout the entire season, then his time has passed. He can sling his hook. So says I. Sky Sports has the likes of Crofty. You guys have the likes of Lofty. You know, since I'm in a loft. If Logan had only had one year to drive and then he was kicked to the curb, what kind of hope does that give for any young driver? You're either going to only get one year to impress or you're on your bum, or you're going to be made into a reserve driver where you've really got no hope of getting into a proper race seat unless you have a guy who's really good with contracts on your team. And if you do get into Formula One, well, I hope you're prepared for 12 months of absolute torture when it comes to the likes of constant scrutiny from the media, from journalists, the social media world, content creators, looking at every single mistake you do, be it on the track or off the track, and then dubbing you as a failure and that you need to go. What kind of hope does that give for any young driver? I'm going to do my best to provide some positivity regarding Logan Sargent, because he really could do with some. And he's getting a lot of that from Williams, and I'm so proud of James Vowles for that. He is becoming one of the best team principals that we have seen in ages. A true paragon. The complete opposite of Haas. I'm going to be tough, but I'm going to be fair. 
There are lots of positive things to say about Logan, as well as negative stuff. But we'll talk about the positive stuff first, because I know the algorithm. You're probably going to click off before I talk about the positive stuff if I did it the other way around. Unless you subscribed, of course, and then you can catch up later, perhaps. Yeah, maybe like the video. Why should Logan Sargent get another year in Formula One? Well, put simply, Williams is in no position to provide a fair and stable car for any new rookie into the sport. Because put simply, that car is kind of rubbish. Of course, it's known for being really good in a straight line, but I'm pretty sure that most motorsport drivers can drive a Formula One car in a straight line. The trouble is, though, is when you get into the corners and then you have to think over an entire race distance and a race weekend, that's when things get tricky. And Williams has still got a long way to go to improve on that front. For years now, Williams had been banking on the same old strategy of developing a car, which is really good down the straights, but can't really do much else. Then just do your best to defend, which Alex Albon has done so masterfully this season and given the team their best result in many years. Back to 2017, I think. Williams has been kind of doing this ever since the turbo hybrid era began. Because even back in the days when Williams were partnering with Martini and had those really lovely liveries, they weren't all that great in terms of the aerodynamics, kind of like Mercedes in a way. And they managed to get away with it for those first couple of seasons, being up in the likes of third place in the constructors because of the fact they were really fast and had a really good engine in the bonnet which is why they currently have the F1 speed record thanks to Valtteri Bottas in 2016. And many of the recent Williams drivers have noted that the Williams car in many corners can be very unpredictable. Even Alex Albon has commented on the car being very tricky. The crash in Suzuka that Logan had, for example, at the last corner, Albon commented that he came very close to bidding it there too, the car being very twitchy. Alex didn't do that is because he has plenty of experience with twitchy cars. Remember the RB16 of 2020? Even Max Verstappen was having trouble getting that car to go in a straight line or around a corner. It was notoriously skittish. Logan does not have such experience with any other car, and therefore, running on the ragged edge to get out of Q1, he bend it. He didn't have the experience at that track as well. And most importantly, we cannot forget this or stress this enough. Alex Albon has a much more developed car than Logan Sargent. He's been the one getting all the upgrades. Yes, I know that's because of his own doing. He brought that upon himself. Yes, let's be fair here. If we go to the good old trusty Destructors Championship list done by Base Pro 24 Chevy, we can see here that Logan Sargent this year has racked up over $4.3 million in estimated damage, and Williams in total have racked up over $7 million estimated damages. That, according to Mike Crack, <laughs> is almost the amount that it costs to develop an F1 gearbox for a season. That about being $9 million. So that's a very big part of the entire widget, a gearbox. So that kind of money could be well put to other things, such as providing both of their drivers proper upgrades, which they couldn't do. I can understand why they did it. It was being smart and putting all of the priority and all of their eggs in Albon's basket because he was the one getting the points. But there was a disparity in the car's performance. Wait, I hear you say, this isn't being positive about Logan Law. What are you on about? I'm trying to be fair here and realistic. If you look at Albon's repair bill, it's just under an estimated $2.8 million. So he's not exactly being careful either. The majority of that coming from Australia, where he binned a potential sixth place. The FW45 is a tricky car to handle and that it is accident prone and that it doesn't really have that much wiggle room in terms of setup and it really does not like downforce heavy tracks, which is something which is kind of important in Formula One, going around a corner at a decent lick. 
and you can't just always rely on straight line speed anymore. Especially with the fact that we're in a ground effect era. And for all the flack that George Russell gets, he supposedly only had two instances that have noted a notable repair bill. The second least destructive driver, in fact. Williams are not in a position to provide a rookie a fair and balanced car to really understand how Formula One works. These rookies who go to Williams, including George Russell, are being thrown in at the deep end with a really badly performing car or a really, really skewed car, very min-maxi. They are pushing it to the limit and overdriving the car. And this is coming from both drivers, not just the American. But at least their team principal is aware of this. He knows that the team is vastly under-equipped in comparison to the other teams, even the likes of Haas and Sauber. And he said that when he was working at Mercedes, they had the latest and greatest technology and the money itself to work themselves out of many problems. A reported $300 million worth of kit that his new team he is managing simply does not have to hand. We're not expecting Williams to suddenly become Mercedes overnight. Not even James Vowles is saying this. He's thinking that his time there is going to take a very long state of small incremental upgrades to the entire widget to get Williams anywhere near the top of the midfield. It's going to take a long time, which is a good thing. I would rather them do that rather than rush in, throw in loads and loads of money, ask Dalton Capital for hundreds of millions of dollars, and then just try something, rush it, and then it doesn't work properly. It's a slow but steady approach, and I'm really liking this. But you then have to consider with the drivers that you can't just throw them out. You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, which incidentally, Mercedes and Ferrari and all of the big teams have to do as well. And Williams is in a really good position here because they are starting with a very, very meager budget and they are having to use it very smartly and very methodically. They are a little bit more stealthy. They're agile. They're kind of like McLaren, who almost went into bankruptcy in 2020 and then managed to get some recovery and financial aid and have been able to restructure themselves in a way where they can quickly get back to the likes of Red Bull. They know what to do with their wind tunnel time, and this is a really good opportunity with this increase in capital expenditure that Williams and many other teams have got for them to figure out what they need to do, where they need to spend to be effectively improving at an efficient rate where all of their upgrades work every single time, which in this cost cap era is vital. You can't just throw upgrades and just hope for the best, or they provide much less impressive results in the real world. That and their extra $30 million in prize money will help a lot when in comparison to 2022. More sponsors will come to them. Their tie-in with golf will be enhanced even more because, well, golf seen the positivity behind them. It's a good brand to represent. There'll be more personnel enticed by what James Valls is doing, looking for a challenge, looking for something different, maybe potentially much more senior positions than where they are currently with bigger teams. Because that acquisition of Pat Fry as their new technical head is a major deal and will be very useful come 2025 when I think the major effects of James Vowell's doings will be made apparent. But do you see what I'm getting at here? Is that it's going to take time and Logan needs to be part of that experience. And also the FW46 for 2024 will be a car that has had Logan Sargent's input brought into it. Both he and Alex will be starting with a car that is on an even keel and will be a much better representation of what Logan has learned over 2023. He has been very much through the school of hard knocks and hopefully that car has a little bit more downforce in it which will prevent Logan making those silly little mistakes that have cropped up which have caused most of the negativity surrounding him. And another thing that's going well for them is that they have integrity, finally. Because there was one point this season where Toto Wolf was going, pleading to James Vowles and, or oh, would you please look at Mick Schumacher's data? I printed it out on an email and it is looking very impressive reading. Don't forget which side of your bread is buttered. Pumpernickel bread, ideally. 
But James Fowles rebuffed that because Mick Schumacher's data was provided to him. Toto was very keen to get him into Williams. He was sticking with Logan. He had the data himself. And one thing that's becoming very clear, I want to send James Val one day a Christmas card that just has telemetry data or some kind of data-related Christmas poem or something. That'd be really cute. I think he would like that. Yes, of course, he's caused a lot of damage and a lot of late nights with all of those repair bills. I remember all of that stuff that we saw in Japan. The really bleak faces of like, oh my God, we're gonna have to repair that car again. But the point is though, is that Logan has not really rubbed them up the wrong way. We never really hear any moments that make Logan out to be a jerk, he's been relatively quiet actually. And that is completely unlike the days of Scott Speed, because at one point, which led to his F1 exit, Franz Tost was so annoyed with his antics that he reportedly got into a tussle with him, shoving him against a wall. Logan, he is not like that at all. Logan is not a hothead. Yes, of course, Logan has been a little bit annoyed with his lot in life, but he has at least come out and admitted that he needs to knock these mistakes on the head. He is aware of his errors and failures. He needs to improve. And that degree of modesty and awareness of himself, that is important. Logan is not a jerk. And that is a very big deal in the world of Formula One, where it's all high pressure. But speaking of those little errors, they are very, very important because sometimes the little errors, they're even worse than the big ones. Yes, all rookies have very big mistakes. Look at Oscar Piastri. He had quite a few errors, and his repair bill isn't that small. It's about an estimated $2.2 million. So even the rookie that completely made people forget he was even a rookie in the first place had his fair share of crashes. And I just feel like that Logan just needs to get rid of those little things, because when he's on his day, he is not that far behind Alex, and he is in a slower car. I would like to see him once again in an even car and see how close he is to Alex. So Bahrain, I will be very, very interested to see how he does. But these little things, the little mistakes which have led to him losing times due to track limits, having to overdrive the car, him then putting one wheel on the grass and then spinning off and crashing the car like he did at Zandvoort when he got into Q3, they're so frustrating. But Every driver goes through all of this. The tyre management. Oscar has problems with tyre management. So does Logan. And with that car, with limited downforce, they're having to overwork the car and overwork the tyres. Cooking the tyres in Las Vegas when he got his highest qualifying start, which is also probably the best example of him being on his day when all the conditions were right, it all fell apart because Williams weren't anticipating that first safety car. They were hopefully wanting to get a good grip position, stay out of trouble, and then pull a gap to everyone else behind. And it was working. But then when a curveball came in, the Williams strategy teams didn't really have much of an option and they tumbled down the order. So uh, yeah, that's on the team that time because they were looking odds on to scoring many, many points. Logan, there wasn't really much they could do. Alex couldn't do much else either. But we all got to remember the cold hard fact that everybody knows about. Logan was rushed into Formula One way too soon. And what I like to hear from Williams is that they are aware of this and they are doing their due diligence to bring him back up to speed, considering that, well, rookies don't really get the testing time anymore. James Fowles himself saying that he remembers the days when you could put in thousands of kilometers in testing. Nowadays, for rookies, you're lucky to even get close to 1,000. It's just probably in the several hundred. Could be even less if the car's really unreliable. And that is a very major disadvantage that all newcomers have. And it doesn't really seem like the media is aware of that. They just look at a rookie not doing really well and going like, ah, oh, he's a bit rubbish, isn't he? You just have to remember, they've not had much lead in time. If they had got rid of him, Williams, I would have viewed them as complete hypocrites. They themselves are going through a metamorphosis. They are becoming a wholly different team from what they used to be, thanks to James Vowell's direction. 
They have direction, finally. 12 months ago, I was really worried about Williams' future. Now, not worried at all. Absolutely not worried at all. And James seems to appreciate that they have to put in the work themselves to develop Logan Sargent into the best Williams Academy driver that they can produce, because he is an Academy driver. They got him in. Many of the other Academy teams, they're not really doing the goods. Williams? Not bad. So with Logan, they can use 2024 as a stable platform to then develop further what they learned in 2023. Make use of their good fortune, their P7 position, the extra money. All of this investment will pay dividends in the future. So I'm really happy about this. And I really think that they made a good decision here. Because even though we haven't really had any changes in the driver lineup, don't worry, 2024 will make up for that because the majority of the grid, their contracts are up. That's going to be spicy. But I think something that we all need to learn, folks, is just to have a much better degree of patience when it comes to young drivers. Thanks for listening to my ladder ramblings. If you liked what you heard, do be sure to leave a five-star rating on your podcasting platform of choice. I really do appreciate it. And until the next time I traverse the ladder, I hope you have a pleasant day. Goodbye.